Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Three in the Key on TSN 1200, bringing you in-depth basketball analysis and interviews on the NBA, NCAA, and U Sports. Now with Will Macklin, Fuad Ahan, and Dave Tripp, here's Elias L. Zane. Hello and welcome to another edition of 3 in the Key, Elias L. Zane, alongside Fuad Ahan. What's going on, man? Man, another week, another week, the NBA is over, we talk about the championship last uh, last episode, and now it's the offseason, Fuad, right. so we have uh, the NBA draft that just happened this past Thursday, free agency, I believe, begins tomorrow, so we're recording this on the Sunday, it begins on the 2nd, so... Um, it's going to be a big free agency. We've already seen some trades happen in the NBA, yep. um, big ones. But uh, we'll talk about the draft, and then we'll go into the trades, right? So the draft on Thursday, there was a lot of conversation leading up to the draft. Mm-hmm. Will people trade the draft? So teams looking to go up, move down. And the top half of it really, you know, stayed the same. We had a, we had a trade that happened with the 10th pick, but... Other than that, the top uh, nine stayed the same. So we saw the Pistons say, uh, take Kate Cunningham, who everyone thought was going to be, you know, the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of conversation that they weren't, uh, they were considering like a Jalen Green or an Evan Mobley. But at the end of it, they took Cade uh, Cunningham. We saw Jalen Green go second to Houston. And then Evan Mobley at number three, which everyone thought, we're going to be the top three picks, right? Yeah. In some sort of order. And it turned out to be the hope. The, the hope was order. the hope was that Cleveland would take someone else like Cleveland <laughs> normally does make an Anthony Bennett type decision where they take, I don't know, Jalen Suggs at three and Mobley drops to the Raptors at four. Cause Mobley is one of those, like he looks like he has a potential to be a unicorn type player, you know, like 
can do everything at like seven feet tall uh, type thing. And then a lot of teams tried getting that number three pick to get Evan Mobley. The Raptors and Masai from reports, they were trying everything they could to make a deal, some sort of deal. And one of those was to trade up, get the three uh, from Cleveland to get Evan Mobley. But I think there was, you know, Colin Sexton was, you know, being a part of those deals. I don't know people if wanted, anyone wanted to take on uh, a Sexton type player and his contract and whatnot. Um, but one of the big things was it was also Ben Simmons and, and Philly, and that never kind of transpired. Um, I don't know what they were trying to do, probably asking for every pick in the top of the draft just for Ben Simmons and every all-star player possible. Um, but Cade Cunningham, that was like clear cut, like he was going to get taken. Yeah. Even green, pretty clear cut for Houston. You got him and Kevin Porter Jr. Now running that show, like dynamic scorers over there. Um, surprise at four. I thought it, it seemed like Jalen Suggs was a for sure thing, but Scotty Barnes, I don't know what you think about Scotty. Well, there was a lot of conversation leading up to it. Um, that it was a possibility that the draft really started. Well, actually there was a, you know, Jalen Suggs, what everyone had pinned that number four and that the draft would start after that at number five with Orlando and see what they did. But the Raptors wanted to get the party started early. And so far, apparently his personality, I've seen a couple of videos now that he's been a Raptor on the cost of social medias. He definitely has that personality. Yeah, he fits um, in Toronto. He, yeah. yeah. He's the type of guy so, you want, like in, in the streets of Toronto where clearly the, the evolution of the Raptor fan has been pretty cool to see, especially after the, the championship where... Part of me feared that, you know, certain fans that jumped on the bandwagon during that championship run would jump off and kind of walk away and no longer, you know, participate and pay attention or anything like that. But you can see, like you're saying in these, these social media videos where Scotty Barnes is just in the streets with his draft hat on and just people on the streets recognize yeah, that. Oh, exactly. that's the new draft pick. Like, uh, that's super cool to see. And he loves it. He has that personality where he loves the fans coming up to him and saying, hey, what's up? Like, welcome to Toronto. Like, we love we were happy to have you here. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. that personality definitely fits there. And the potential, I think. The potential and really... definitely the workout he had apparently was an amazing workout. He blew them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always in conversation. But like I said, people just thought like, oh, Suggs was, you know, the fourth guy after Cunningham, Green and Mobley. You know, like mm-hmm. he's a winner. He's played two sports his whole life. We saw what he did with Gonzaga, went to the national championship game. They lose to Baylor. Uh, but he apparently had a horrible workout yeah, so yeah with the raptors he had a very bad uh workout and some people say he might have tanked it uh they brought him in for a second one the shooting was horrible and so did he do that on purpose didn't he you know or just was it a, a one-off night but if you bring him back for a second one and he does bad again mm-hmm. Then I guess, you know, if you're Masai and Bobby Webster in that front office, you look at your other options. And Scotty Barnes, a power forward who's obviously going to bring that defense, could dribble. He's tall, um, has the length, um, has the wingspan, all these things that, you know, fit the Raptors mold, right? Exactly, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I'm not mad at it. Obviously, you trust Masai Ujiri. He knows what he's doing. We don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. He gets to see these guys. And not only play throughout the season in the NCAA has the scouts, but you can bring them in for workouts. And they liked what they saw. And that was their move. And it looked like Jalen Suggs was, I don't know if it was a reaction that he was happy for Scotty Barnes to get picked fourth, or was it that he was happy that he didn't go to Toronto? Hmm. 
uh, at for remember how the cameraman was on him if yeah. you were watching the draft yeah. and it honestly looked like they were gonna take him and the camera was on him and it's like okay and with the fourth pick you know <laughs> the Toronto Raptors select yeah. Scotty Barnes and then Jalen Suggs jumps up and was he happy that he wasn't picked or was he happy for the guy? You got to ask yourself that question as yeah, well, right? So we don't weird, know, but yeah. Scotty Barnes was definitely happy that he was going to Toronto. He had only but good things to say. He obviously enjoyed his workout as well. Mm-hmm. They liked what they saw. He liked, I guess, what the team offered him because they worked out in Florida, right? And they had this room apparently where it was, uh, it showed them, you know, what Toronto is kind of oh, yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I'm not mad at it. Like I said, you have to trust Masai Ujiri with this. Yeah. Um, and it looks like they're going to keep it. Some people were speculating right away. Okay, they draft him, but is it is it because they're working on a trade? Right. And this is who the team wanted. But it looks like he will be, you know, sitting up for the Toronto Raptors come, obviously, Summer League. Uh, I think it's next week. So yeah. we'll get our first look at Scotty Barnes there. And then, obviously, training camp starts in September. And then, boom, we're back uh, right at it with, uh, right. obviously, our fantasy basketball, but then the NBA season. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's going to be exciting, man. And, yeah, getting um, to watch Summer League. Like, you know, we said the regular season and playoffs and finals have ended, but the NBA never ends. It's a year-round thing. You know, you get of course. you get the draft, you get – just even the the stories that come out, the the rumors, the you know the the potential trades and free agency signings, all that stuff is it's a forever thing. It's a daily thing. It's you always got a watch bomb or a or a what do we call it with Shams? I don't know Shams Charania, like a Shams sprinkle or something. I don't know, but but you know there's something's coming out every single day. So. A, sh- a Shams spark. I'm trying to see what else we can use as an S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get a watch bomb. What do you yeah. the shams wave maybe <laughs> but uh, i don't know but it's funny to see them go at it too uh, yeah man that, during man, the draft was saying he was going to be drafted like like sources like sources yeah. telling me that raptors will be taking this pick or whatever and by the way i, I like put my phone away because i wanted to watch the draft like and right. be surprised oh, okay. yeah, yeah. and that's i knew the first three were going to be like we had an idea as i mentioned yeah. earlier it was cunningham green and mobley yeah. um most likely in that order. And then I put my phone away and I'm like, okay, let me see who the Raptors are going to take. And instead of reading about it or getting the notification, I'm watching the TV and I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, I yeah. watched it in real time. So, yeah. um, but it's funny because Sham says, this is who they're going to take. And then Woj obviously is like, oh, they have their eyes set on yeah, this guy. <laughs> they're excited that he's available at this number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is funny because he works for ESPN, right? And I'm sure they told them don't ruin the picks. Exactly. You're, you're not there. allowed to, yeah, yeah. Like say specifically who they're picking. You have to give some sort of a, uh, you know, a question mark next to the tweet, basically. <laughs> but you exactly. know, that is, that is funny. And yeah, for for moving forward, it's we we've had the draft. Free agency begins very soon, um, and you know, we've already had a massive trade on on mm-hmm. draft night. And I, I mean, I don't know if people are surprised by it. For me, coming up to through throughout the season with like what was happening in Washington, it wasn't clearly not going to be a great situation for Russell Westbrook, right? They they were out of the playoffs much of the season. Uh, they they made the plan. They exactly make it into the playoffs through the plan, um, but not not an ideal situation. You're not necessarily at all comp- competing for a championship. Like that was not what was happening in Washington. Um, he's from. Los Angeles, like that's his home. 
that homecoming was always going to be a possibility for any player, uh, especially if you're from a city like Los Angeles and you have the Lakers that are there. And nowadays, even the Clippers, as much as we hate the Clippers, like they are a, a, a competitive, you know, championship contending team. Uh, but the Lakers are the team that you grow up with. And it was always a possibility. And the fact that it actually went down, it did kind of blow my mind that it's to think that Russell was you called LeBron it. James, oh. I did call it. Yeah, I did call it. You I called was, it a couple of weeks ago. Just just based off it, like on social media, it was like 10 weeks ago. Is when, when yeah, yeah, there. exactly. That's what I meant. But, like it was, yeah, yeah, 10 weeks ago, you you hit it and you said that it's most likely that most that, likely, yeah, gonna that, be that happens. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy to think because leading up to the draft that day, there was a lot of conversation about Buddy Hield going to yeah, LA, exactly, which I liked yeah. adding a shooter, yeah, you know, um, and they were just giving up Kuzma, uh, the pick. In the first round, which was like 20, 21 uh, or 22, sorry, 22, I think it was. Think, yeah. yeah, 22, the 22nd pick in the draft. Um, but then uh, it was just Kuzma, the pick, and someone else, I think maybe Harold, Harold or something. Yeah. 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 And then boom, out of nowhere, the conversation started about Westbrook like that same day. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it's mm-hmm. conversations, how fast it's going to come to fruition, if mm-hmm. it comes to fruition, like if it goes down. And then leading up to the draft, it was like picking up, picking up, and then boom, it actually yeah. happened. Like I, I didn't, done, I was yeah. actually surprised of how <laughs> quick it how happened. Quick it yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also like we seen Westbrook get traded, uh, like when OKC got rid of him, they got a lot of picks, mm-hmm. right? When they traded, well, they got some picks and they got Chris Paul, right? Yeah. Um, back. When for OKC, and then when Houston traded him, it was just a one for one kind of thing for John, John Wall. Wall yeah. And now it's like, okay, they traded him uh, for Kuzma, they got rid of KCP as well, Harold, and they just added this pick like just the, just the pick, yeah. first round yeah. pick of this year at 22. And then the Lakers also got back two second rounders mm-hmm. uh, uh, back from Washington. So I was like, Okay, to me, is it that much? Can I don't think you know KCP and Harrell are not all stars. Yeah. Is this twenty second pick Isaiah yeah. Jackson gonna be something mm. out of Kentucky? Uh, if Dave was here, he'd probably be raving about him. <laughs> uh, but is he gonna be something in, in the future? And Kyle Kuzma, sure, he can take a step this year. Maybe could be in the conversation of most improved players just because he will have the ball more in his hands yeah. uh, to either create, take shots compared to where he had to, you know, play with LeBron and AD and not get as many touches, not do as much on the floor. We saw that. We saw some games where, you know, he was, wow. But we also saw some games where the stars were sitting out and then he had to be that guy, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens there. But and we'll see how Westbrook fits in with the Lakers. What? How do you think that's going to happen? Because two years ago, when they played him in the postseason with Houston, yeah. they were like literally leaving him to shoot those that's right. wide open that's right. threes, yeah. and like, well, and like he's improved his three point shooting. No. He's a ball dominant guard that gets triple doubles. How's mm-hmm. that going to work alongside a guy like LeBron James, who also needs the ball? That's and right. then you have a big man, one of the best in the league, and Anthony Davis down low. That's right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But like the rumors, like you're saying, this happened so quickly. But the rumors that I've read are that the three of them, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, were sitting down. I'm pretty sure at LeBron's mansion in LA, probably, and they had that conversation where it's like, okay, can we 
can we do this? Can we make this work for Westbrook? It was he, he wants to win a championship and he wants to come home. You know, LA is home for him. He wants to come home and he wants to do that at home. Okay. So how are we going to make it work? What sacrifices are we going to make? And I think the main thing that I read in those rumors was that they talked about changing positions and changing roles uh, from what they normally do for LeBron James. I'm going to play power forward. Anthony Davis, I'm going to play center. Russell Westbrook, I'm going to play off ball. Like LeBron will dominate the ball much of the game. I'm going to play off ball and, and you know, play how I did in Houston, but kind of be even less kind of dominating of the ball and be more of a supporting role on this team in these you know, quest for a championship, but that's just talk, right? Like once you get into it and it's, it's, it, you can only imagine it will be a struggle at first, right? It's going to be, it's going to take some time to kind of figure things out and get used to it. And who knows, maybe it happens right away. Maybe immediately it's all the positives that these guys have is all that you get to see. But logically the negatives that the three of them have will eventually show like you lose you've lost your depth now right you don't have the shooters that you need to have that lebron james is accustomed to having when he's going out to win championships mm-hmm. the shooters are, are very necessary in that formula that lebron has created over his over the years and over the years of championships that he's won you don't have that bringing in russell westbrook and letting go of uh kcp kyle kuzma and and harrell although they may not be the greatest shooters they are still shooters that were well, more KCP efficient and, and yeah and kyle kuzma he shoot a kcp i yeah. think i don't have the number in front of me but i'm pretty sure he shot at a pretty good number yeah. or a pretty kuzma, good rate kuzma, i year. think he he made more threes than trey young last season like correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that's what i read that kuzma I made more threes than trey young last season so it's you know a, you're getting rid of strengths and bringing in weaknesses but you get that star power and you get that potential of Russell Westbrook has played against Kevin Durant and James Harden, and that was some of the best young teams we've ever seen in OKC. Russell Westbrook now finally gets to play with a guy like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, does that, that in a sense, you would think elevates, and especially at their advanced age, if you want to say, like the, the IQ should be there more prominently than it was when they were younger. So you mix the athleticism with the higher IQ, like that should elevate what you get to do as a team right so a lot of question marks and i'm excited to see what happens there but it'll i I think there's a lot of potential and the higher end of you know the expectation is that man russ goes off he could potentially have one of his best seasons playing next to these two guys um his assist number he could possibly beat um but what's his name? I forget the old uh, Orlando Magic guy, the guy that has the record. Scott Skiles. Scott Skiles. Yeah, they could potentially break that record, man. Like there could be one of those nights where he gets that from Anthony Davis and LeBron James hitting shots, and Westbrook is the one running the show and dishing the ball out. So I, I, for it's you, for you as a Lakers fan, like I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm still, you know, thinking about it. I want to see how it is. The good thing is that they have a full training camp. They have a regular uh, preseason. Uh, not that they'll probably play a lot in preseason, but just to iron out some things. And then the regular season now, when the Lakers lose to no matter who they lose to in a regular season, it's going to be a big deal. That's how it is with the Lakers. When you lose a game, especially now that you have these guys, you have LeBron, you have AD, you have Westbrook, like you should be winning 
every single game. Now we'll see you, you talked about those rumors and again, those are conversations, but when you get on the floor, like let's say, okay, Westbrook plays off the ball, but he goes one for 10 from three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what? Or when you kick it out to him, he's at the three point line, he's open. Then he dribbles inside to the paint now and swings it back out. Like, are we just going to have LeBron get to the paint and kick it? And then it comes to Westbrook and instead of him shooting, come and do the same thing. Like what's the point of that? And Quickly, Kyle Kuzma did make 137 threes last year, and, and Trey Young made 136. So it was just by one. Okay, there you go. So he's matching yeah. Trey Young in number of threes, he said. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's a strength on a team that has LeBron James, and that's what you've given away. So, yeah. you know, that's not a good thing, uh, right? So. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I still don't know um, how I feel about it. It's, it's also Westbrook. I like Westbrook. Just that I've always said that I don't think he can be the best player on a championship team. And now he's clearly, you know, obviously option, you know, number three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he so, has to be. Uh, you know, does he go off when they take a rest night or when LeBron's off and we just got AD and Westbrook mm-hmm. or Westbrook and LeBron when AD is out? We don't know what it's going to be like. Is AD going to be healthy for the full year? He obviously has those injury you know, he has, he, he's pretty much tagged with that injury prone That's tag right. as, a, yeah. as a superstar. Yeah. Um, and also KCP shot 41% from three this past season. So <laughs> That's huge. Was, Those are very important, great. right? And wow. yeah, coming like last season, what was it? What was it? LeBron James was injured for much of the season. That is, and that's what kind of Anthony Davis was injured for much of the season. Like, yeah. You know, and that's that that you can account that to being the biggest factor to their disappointing season. You take away that factor in a long period of rehab and, you know, rest this summer coming back into next season and you keep the same team. You know, do you expect the same result that you had last year coming into next season? I I don't I don't know. You still have it. It's still a championship team. You still have yeah, another... because they added here, they got better, right? From That's right. after the yeah. championship season in the bubble, they everyone's like, Wow, they got better. Yeah, and then obviously the injuries and everything like that, and then getting bounced out in the first round uh by the Phoenix Suns, who eventually got to the NBA finals. Uh now they make this trade, and it's always like with LeBron and Lakers, it's like you need a big team, you need the superstars. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this earlier, Fred. Who do they sign now? There's been rumors of, you know, DeRozan taking a lot less money and coming. Uh, There's been rumors about Rudy Gay, like a veteran that can come off your bench. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, you know, does he fill in that Kyle Kuzma slot, right, as a small forward Mm -hmm. to come off the bench, which he did with Portland last year? Or does he, you know, get inserted into the starting lineup? And then do you have an AD? Do you have a LeBron? Do you have a Carmelo and Westbrook possibly in a starting lineup? You know, with a DeRozan, who knows? Like, (laughs) everyone's going to be like, wow, this is like, how many all-stars are in front of us, right? Like appearances and all NBAs and all that stuff, right? So we'll see what happens. But then it's like, at the end of the day, there's only one ball on the basketball court. If they can all be on the same page and know that this is how we have to play, like, you know, DeMar, for example, if he comes in, he's a 20-something point per game player, and now he's getting 13 for example, exactly, you yeah. know, so something like that, you know, Carmelo, we already know he had a reduced role last year, uh, but some games they would give him the ball and he would, he would take over. So I think Melo would be kind of ready to, because he's at that stage in his career, he played with Dame for a couple of years. Now he knows what it's like to play with, you know, a number one guy. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in the NBA after being a number one guy for most of his career. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting. We got to see now what happens come free agency. Kyle Lowry has always yeah. been in, in, in yeah. conversation tied to uh, LA and probably him and DeRozan wanted to come. But now with Westbrook there, I, I don't obviously see that. Yeah. There's Philly, there's Miami, there's even now New Orleans, there's Dallas and that uh, conversation in the sweepstakes for Kyle Lowry, who is probably the biggest free agent on the market, I would say, this season. At this point, yeah. And he's going to get paid, and it's going to be a sign-and-trade for sure because the Raptors need to get compensated in some sort of fashion uh, for his uh, his time as a Raptor, as the greatest, you know, uh, Raptor in history, right? So That's right. We'll, we'll see what uh, what happens with that. But it's, it's going to be interesting for what you called it 10 weeks ago exactly. About yep. it being most more likely than than Curry, uh, yeah. Westbrook to to LA, and right. now we get Westbrook to LA, and um, we'll, we'll, honestly, we'll see what goes on. I'm excited yeah. to see what happens. It could honestly be great if they all, you know, had that conversation and stick to the roles and the reduced roles and whatever the case may be. Or is it gonna be like Westbrook's like, no nah, man, give me the ball and let me <laughs> let me dominate and get these triple doubles and you know shoot one for 10 from beyond the arc but yeah we'll see what happens and what kind of how frank vogel uses them yeah we'll we'll see what happens and you know it'll be interesting yeah it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting offseason and then leading up to next year because i'm sure there are still some moves does bradley beal get moved did bradley beal sign off on this does he want to be the guy mm-hmm. in um in Washington, and now is he going to recruit some stars because they created some flexibility with this, with some cap flexibility to see how they can add some talent because they're just wasting his talent, man. Yeah, at uh, the end of the day. If we're looking at Washington, I think like Montrez Harrell, he didn't have the greatest season, right? With the Lakers, it wasn't the greatest season. He comes out in Washington. He goes back to who he was with the Clippers, and I think he has a big season. And, you know, mm-hmm. for Kuzma, the potential is there. You know, like he gets a new new environment, new plays, kind of new beginning for him. And now he no has pressure. no pressure. Exactly. He gets a fresh, fresh start with Washington and he gets to play next to a Bradley Beal. Um, and, and, you know, potentially he has a great season, like you said, yeah, potentially he... a most improved player type season mm-hmm. um, for Bradley Beal. He doesn't have that pressure of having to play next to another superstar like Russell Westbrook, right? For all, all the years that John Wall was injured and now Bradley Beal was, you know, all-star level numbers, like MVP level numbers, what he was putting up. He gets to be back in that role again, you know, with Russell Westbrook, Gron, who he doesn't have to rely on to, you know, it's like, okay, you share half of the responsibility. I share the have No, right now it's, it's Bradley Beal. It's his team. He's the star. That's it. So he gets to go back to that. So yeah, for Washington, like it's, you can only go up from where they have been the past however many years. So again, exactly. We'll so see. We'll see. Well, exactly. We'll see what happens um, with the Lakers, with Washington. Do the Lakers make more moves? Free agency is about to begin. How's the NBA landscape going to be? You know, an NBA team is going to be a week from now, two weeks from now, when we get, you know, free agents signed. Maybe more trades happen, uh, summer league. And then after that, there's a little bit of a break for everyone. And then boom, you have training camp. And then we're back to normal with a, an October, mid-October, late October start to the NBA uh, regular season. Obviously, before that, you have the preseason, you know, at the beginning of October, end of September, I think sometime 
so it's going to be really interesting. Also for the Raptors, do they get back to, you know, are they allowed to play at home yeah, Toronto, in Toronto? Yeah, That's a hopefully. big deal, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that In other sports, good. we saw the Blue Jays and then Toronto FC, I believe, play at home now. So hopefully, you know, things get better uh, for them and they can play at home because obviously they don't want to spend another season in Tampa, Florida. Uh, when we come back, we have a guest on this week's show. Uh, we have uh, Patrick Ewing Jr., who's actually the lead assistant coach here in Ottawa for the Ottawa Blackjacks. So we'll talk about the Blackjack season so far in the CEBL. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, his time as a pro, um, time in, in college, and, um, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll see how it goes with uh, Patrick Ewing Jr. So that coming up uh, on 3 in the Key. Welcome back inside the Key, Elias Salzane, alongside Fuad Ahad, and we are joined by our guest now, Patrick Ewan Jr. Pat, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Of course. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Um, obviously, you're here now in Ottawa, in our city, um, with the CEBL, with the Ottawa Blackjacks, just their second season um, in the league. You guys clinched a playoff berth. Uh, it's been an exciting year. You know, there's been ups and downs, obviously. Uh, but we want to talk about coaching in the league. You're obviously the lead assistant coach uh, for the squad. How's it been coaching in the CEBL for you so far? Uh, it's been great. Uh, for me, I think one of the biggest things when I decided to take the job, a lot of people were asking me, like, so what is the league? Um, how does it compare to other leagues in the in the world or in the, in the um, in North America? And, you know, I, I, I was trying to tell them, like, I mean, if you look at the draft that happened on Thursday, there are a lot of Canadians who got drafted. Canadian basketball is on a come up, uh, just like any other country outside of the United States. So for me, it's, it's seeing a lot of this talent that a lot of people don't get to see. And I've enjoyed it. I mean, to be honest with you, it's been great. The talent level here is higher than most people think. And, you know, this league is a, a really good league. And, you know, it's only in its third year and it's just going to continue to get better and better and better. What was the process of that? Like, how did you end up in Ottawa, Canada, of all places? <laughs> like, you're, you're the son of Patrick Ewing. Everyone knows that. And you've you know, played at Georgetown, drafted into the NBA and all that. And you end up in Ottawa coaching here. Was this How did that opportunity come about? Who did you speak to and all that stuff? So uh, when Javon Shepard announced that he was going to be the GM, I had just reached out to him just trying to ask him what it was like to coach in Canada having been a coach in, in uh, North America or in the United States, excuse me, for the last, you know, six years, I was just trying to broaden my horizons and see what other opportunities were like. And I wasn't reaching out to him looking for a job at all. I was more so just looking out, looking to learn about the league, learn about what it's like to coach out here. And I wasn't looking for a job, um, but in talking to Shep, you know, we had a great conversation at the end of it. He was like, you know, I want to talk to you next week. You know, if you were, if you were considered, I'd like you to come coach out here. And, you know, we talked that next week and uh, I met with Mike Sikovic after that. And, you know, it kind of just took off from there. And, and uh, this was, this probably happened in like, you know, December, January timeframe. And I just been looking forward to coming on board since then. Yeah. And it's been great to have you. You're so easy to talk to, you know, me being the sideline reporter for the team. So uh, very easy guy to approach and talk to whenever, you know, I needed to get something from someone, you know, on the coaching staff or to get more info uh, leading up to the games. Um, how's it been that transition? You obviously played, you know, at the highest levels uh, in the NBA. You've played in the D League or the G League now. 
uh, and then you've went and played overseas. How's the transition been for you personally, going from a player being, you know, coached obviously your whole career to now coaching younger guys and, you know, trying to elevate their games. How's that transition been for you? Well, first and, first and foremost, younger, I don't know, Earl, Earl Calloway's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's like, that's like, that's like, I, I got to throw a jab in when I get <laughs> I, I forgot about the OG. Yeah, yeah. He's, that's he's right. the OG, Earl, yeah. Earl, that's right. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's, it, it, wasn't, it was never hard, per se. I, I feel like the way that I viewed the game even as a player was through the mindset of a coach where I was always trying to figure out um, – figure out the best, the best, uh, plays and, you know, just, just through the mind of a coach, you know, I watched a lot of film as a player, which is honestly translated very well to me being a, a coach. Cause all we do is watch film. Um, but I would say that the hardest part for me is was just getting out of that mode of being a player. Like as a player, I can go on the court and I can show you what I'm going to do. And then I, I ask the guys to follow the line as a coach. I'm not really going on the floor to play with them and, show them like look I'm not asking you to do something that I can't do now unless you play with me like you know Earl I've known Earl since we were in high school unless you play with me most likely these young guys especially the Canadians don't really know what I can do they you know they can go and pull up some highlights but that's just highlights everyone looks good in highlights uh so they've never seen me play with me played against me so they don't know so getting them to understand that I do know what I'm talking about that I'm not just selling them dreams and stuff like that like I, I know what I'm talking about that's probably been the hardest part and I think in year one I kind of my first year coaching uh when I was at Georgetown it was a little harder for me because I still felt like I was a player like I still felt like if I'm looking at these guys I'm like yo I could still bust your ass excuse my, excuse my language but like, <laughs> no, no, you can say whatever you want man <laughs> that's how I felt like I, like I would be in practice and looking at these dudes I'm like yo if y'all are the guys that are coming up next I should have kept playing I should stay in shape and go back and get this money like yeah. I, I don't fear any of y'all. Yeah, yeah. Same time when I viewed it like that, like I wasn't getting guys better. I don't feel like I was really helping those guys achieve what I felt like they could achieve. And I had to learn to talk to player A differently than I talked to player B. I had to learn to watch film a different way, cutting films different ways for different guys and just kind of approaching guys in ways that that I can I felt like reached them because the way that I talked to Earl is not going to be the same way I talk to Dominique. It's not going to be the same way I talk to Nick. You know, it's, it's learning how different guys learn. Like some guys can look at a playbook and pick up plays. Some guys can see it on a board. They need you to draw it up live. And, and some guys need to see it on film. Like it's just, I had to learn how to really adapt to that aspect of coaching. And, and I feel like if you want to be a good coach, you can't always ask players to learn your way. Right. You have to be good enough to, be able to teach it in multiple ways because everyone learns differently. That's why some teachers are good teachers and some teachers aren't good teachers because everyone doesn't, the teachers who are, I feel like were good teachers for me were able to teach me in a way that I could learn and not try to teach me in a way that they knew how to teach. That's right. Yeah. Like the individualized each person kind of look at like, this is how this dude functions. This is how this girl functions. I think that's a super cool perspective to hear, especially as like, being a former player, then becoming a coach, you have that competitive mindset, right? Where you're like, you're looking at some dude and you're like, man, I can destroy you. Like, how am I here coaching you when I could be playing in your position right now, doing it better than you, but to be able to look at that and say, okay, this is how this dude clicks. I can teach him this way to be better and be better than I think I could be. So that's, that's super cool to hear. That's a real coach's mindset for you to have. And 
you've like Elias had mentioned, you've played all over the world. You've played in the Middle East, you've played in Europe and things like that. And, you know, have you been in those situations where you've just said, you look at a guy and you're like, I could bust your ass. Have you been in Europe playing in these leagues and thinking the same thing? Or have you looked at it and seen, Hey man, you guys have been taken lightly. Like this is this very skilled kind of competition that's, that's here in Europe or in Middle East and Qatar when you played there, things like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, I think as an American, uh, or someone from the state, excuse me again, like when we go play in Europe, a lot of us are like, bro, I'm going over here. This, these guys aren't that good. Want to be the Michael uh, Jordan of <laughs> the German league. <laughs> like, like we all think we're going to walk over there and, and start putting up 30 a game. That's right. Yeah. And, and then we get over there and we're like, Oh wait, like, you know, a name that a lot of people don't know. Like, well, if you watch the Olympics, you know, him, but Sergio, you you Sergio, you is a problem. Yeah. He's a problem. And I remember yeah. the first time I seen him play, I'm like, yo, why he not in the league right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, wow. So like you get over there and you're like, okay, like these dudes play basketball. Like this is not 1992 when the world wasn't as caught up. Like you look at the Olympics right now, like us and Spain are both not number one in their pools. Right. <laughs> and yeah, right. historically the best two teams in the, in the, in the, in the world. Yeah. So like, you know, basketball is getting good and, and the players are getting great. So, you know, for, for, there was a second where, you know, you get over there and you're like, man, I'm about to go over here and I'm a kill. And then you get there and you're like, Oh wait, I got to step my game up. Like I really okay. got to do this thing. And then you also get over there and you're like, Oh wait, this dude was like a first team all American in college. He's over here playing <laughs> like, dang, I ain't know. I forgot. I forgot about him. Or like, <laughs> you just see all these guys who are just like, or guys you never heard of before that were like not known in college, but they get over to Europe and all of a sudden, like they just blow up. Like, mm -hmm. like Mike James, no one knew who Mike James was before yeah. Mike James was in, like, really in Germany for, I mean, in Greece. Yeah. And when he got to Greece, he was killing and then took off in Euro league NBA, like, but no one knew who that guy was before. Like, you know, That's so it's like, People think he came out of nowhere, but nah, he worked his tail off to get where he were to where he was, and now he's reaping the benefits of it. But you know, you definitely have those feelings where you're like, I'm a bust, I'll bust their ass. But at the same time, you just gotta be humble enough to know that, especially nowadays, like people are good all around the world, and you just gotta make sure that you work as hard as you can so that you don't get uh pretty much exposed. I mean, I would have to say for a lack of a better word, exposed when you get over to these other countries. That's right, yeah. And you, you spoke about that, uh, like playing overseas, Pat, and a lot of guys look at it like, oh, I'm going overseas, like um, this is not much, or I'm just getting going there to, to get money. Where was it for you? Um, maybe not the toughest, or, or just take us through your experiences. Where did you like? What didn't you like about the overseas game? Uh, where did you have your best, uh, like enjoyed your time uh, the most um, overseas? And specifically, I want to talk to you because, you know, I'm an Arab. You played in Qatar. How was it like playing you know, in the Arab world, we've interviewed Rashad McCants uh, a while ago about his book, and he played in Lebanon, where I'm from, and mm -hmm. he said the, the the play the play was good, like the the level of competition was good. They said the officiating was horrible, and obviously he enjoyed the food. But so, how was your experience in Qatar specifically, and then in Europe too? What, how would you compare the different European uh, leagues you played in, and where you enjoyed your time the most? So when I was in Doha, man, I loved it. Like okay. Doha was was great, especially because the league at the time. And I believe it's still the same way now. You play once a week, but you don't travel. All the games were played in one gym, which for us was nice because 
I had just had my son, my son, my oldest son, um, Trey was actually born in Doha. So, so that alone makes it, you know, a great place for me. Not, and then, then just the fact that it is actually a great place. Like I had no, you know, really no qualms about it. Like where we lived was great. You know, we got to go to the Pearl, which is like basically like a man-made like oasis out there. Like it's (laughs) stupid nice. Um, and we had it was just great like I, I i didn't spend the whole year there but uh i turned the deal down when i first got the offer then about halfway through the season they came back and asked me if i wanted to go i was like yes please get me out of where I am right now like i will come <laughs> i will come and so i went out there and, and just had a blast and and honestly when i were when i was there i never felt like i wanted to retire until my head coach from college came and asked me to retire I had thought I was going to spend the next five years out there. Like I had, I didn't plan on retiring. I wanted to keep playing, especially out there because I was very fortunate where I was on the team uh, and, and out in Qatar, there's uh, four teams really that have like a really good team. And when I say really good teams, I mean, you get good Americans and then the locals are really good. So there were four teams like that. And I think there was eight teams in the league at the time, if not 12, but outside of those four teams, like, they weren't great, but um, so our when you play those four teams, or like you're gonna get a good game, like you know, like like uh, like Rashad said. I mean, I, the officials weren't great, but uh, you know, playing in any league, I mean, have I don't think I've ever played in a game where I was like, man, those officials were really good. You know, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have friends who are officials and stuff like that, and I always mess with them, but like. No one ever leaves a game and be like, man, that game was officiated so well. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Like, yeah. well, I feel bad. I feel so bad for officials because they don't win and they don't lose, but they take all the blame all the time. Like, yeah. But um, but no, it was great, man. Like, honestly, I thought I would spend the next five years playing there. I thought I would retire there. Um, and it just so happened that my 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 college coach convinced me to retire when he did. And even even for the next couple of years, like I got offers to go back to Qatar and play but I just was you know I was like man I'm trying to build up this coaching thing so I can be you know a head coach sometime soon so I just never felt like I wanted to go back and play no that makes sense and of course there's all that all that part of it but then one thing that will always be tied to you is your name right is Patrick Ewing Jr everyone knows who your dad is talk about that aspect of it going to these other countries and playing there do the players there, the coaches there, people there, the fans there, do they see your name, see you and think, oh man, this is Patrick. Like, what's that like for you? Just as, as your individual self, as a man, like what's that experience like? Do people recognize the name? Do people come to you and say, oh, are you Patrick Ewing? Things like that. Like, what, what's that life like for you? Uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's just what I'm used to, I guess. I don't, I don't really know any other way. Uh, but it, it got to be kind of annoying when I started going to play in Europe because Obviously, growing up in the United States, like, I mean, I had to deal with it. But at a certain point, you know, people couldn't write the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Like, they can't keep asking me the same questions over and over again. So it's like, I felt like I had gotten to a point where I kind of separated myself from being Patrick Ewing's son and just was Patrick Ewing Jr. for a little while. But then I go to Europe and it's like all over again. <laughs> and so I'm getting like asked a million of the same questions I've been asked a thousand times. And I'm just like, yo, like there were times where I would just tell my team, like, yo, I'm not doing these interviews anymore. Like, I just don't want to talk. Like, if they're going to talk to me about my dad, I'm going to leave the interview. Like, I don't want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. 
And then like when I, I honestly think when I went to Spain, I went to play in Spain um, the second half of my first year in Europe. And I just felt like they brought me in because I was Patrick Ewing. Right. Like the, me, right. me and the person who played the same position, they were going to play him over me regardless because he was Spanish. He was top 10 in the country in points and rebounds. So I'm like, like y'all bringing me in for what? Like, and then on top right. of that, y'all not paying on time. Like I'm out of here. Like, I'm <laughs> like, but it's like, I used to be so mad because you know, that dude was playing. Now mind you, I don't think he was a better player than me, but he was clearly playing well enough to earn his minutes. But like, I felt like he was, uh, I felt like, you know, him getting 30 minutes and me getting 10 minutes doesn't warrant me having to do seven interviews after practice. Like, mm. Go talk, right. go talk right. to go him. Talk like, to him. Yeah, exactly. why, why y'all don't need to talk to me and ask me questions about my pops? Like, if you want to interview me and ask me questions about this team or why we won or lost the yeah. game, like, there's one thing, but if you're going to talk to me about my dad, like, no, nah, I'm kind of over that. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, like, you know, it just, it's, it's just second nature for me, man. That's just what I've dealt with my whole life. I don't really know any other way. And to be honest with you, I'd rather it be like this than if my dad was like some bad person and, I had to get bothered about something stupid like that. Like, no, my dad, the only, the only real negative thing a lot of people can say about my dad is that he never won a championship and that he doesn't sign autographs. I mean, like, <laughs> outside, outside of that, man, my dad's the best person I've ever been around in my entire life. And a lot of people know that, especially people who have been around him. So for me, it's not a bad thing that when I get to talk about him because he is a great guy. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, let's talk about, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, Georgetown, you obviously played at the University of Indiana before that. Did you play with Earl at the at Indiana, or were you guys there at different times? Unfortunately, I didn't. So when Earl came on his visit, so Earl was a year ahead of me in school. So uh, I went to Indiana. I was there for two years. He came on yeah. his visit, and then when he actually was enrolled in school, I was gone. So okay. I was okay. so like I helped get him to the school, like I helped recruit him and stuff like that. But like by the time that I got there, or that he got there, I was already uh, transferred. Okay, so yeah, so okay, I wanted to know if that you guys played uh, together or not. So yeah, you you went to Georgetown after for two years. You were also a six man of the year uh, in the Big East uh, one year. You had in two thousand and seven, uh, you guys had a great season and a great run all the way to the Final Four. Just tell us about that your experience getting to uh, the Final Four. Well, uh, well, first I'll start with like my my first two years in Indiana were great years for me off mm -hmm. the court. Uh, honestly, okay. I love everything about the University of Indiana off the court, but it, it, when it came to actually being on the court and playing basketball, I just felt like I wasn't growing. I felt like I was being held back, you know, which a lot of people say, you know, basketball players felt, feel like when they're not playing a lot. Uh, but I just felt like it wasn't a place where if I wanted to become a professional basketball player that I could stay at and really grow my game. So even though I was loving everything outside of basketball, the reason I went to college, well, one of the main reasons I went to college was to play basketball and I wasn't happy playing basketball. So I felt like I needed to make a move. Uh, when I decided to make the move, it was down to Georgetown university of Miami and North Carolina. And I honestly thought I was going to Carolina. Like I just felt like I was going to go to Carolina, but one of my good friends who was at Carolina at the time, Sean May, who played with Rashad, um, I had just been talking to him and they had just won a national championship. And I had just come, you know, in Indiana, we were a 500 team. And my biggest goal, because the type of player I am, I want to play for a championship, but I want to win. And I talked to Sean. I'm like, yo, Sean, y'all just won a championship. Are y'all staying at school? Because if y'all staying, I'm going to commit tomorrow. Like, I'll, I'll commit tomorrow. Like, no questions asked. I'll commit. And he's like, Pat, I'm not going to lie to you. 
all five of us, all six of us, we leave. <laughs> we're out of here, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, that's going, that means that we're going to start fresh. Now it's Carolina and everything, but like they're going to start fresh with all freshmen, man. I don't, I don't, I've never been a guy, I don't trust freshmen and I don't trust rookies. Like I can't, <laughs> like, and I know, I knew at the time, like if I'm the best player on the college team, we're not going to go far. Like, so, and I was just like, yeah. So like they kind of cut Carolina and Miami out at the same time. Uh, so then it was just Georgetown and, you know, I saw what I, what Georgetown had, what we had with, you know, Jeff Green had just come off running uh big East rookie of the year with, with Rudy Gay. You know, I knew Roy Hibbert since we were in high school and I saw his development from where he had been at 16 years old to where he was going into our sophomore year. And I was like, yo, he's gotten a lot better and he's going to be a problem. And then just the rest of the guys that I saw like that we had, I was like, Yo, this team actually has a chance, and I think people don't know it. And uh, so when I got there, I, you know, my, my first year, I, I redshirted, and my whole goal was to just get guys better. Like, every day in practice is going to be harder than games if you're going up against me because I'm going to foul you the whole time. I'm going to push you. You know, everything about games is going to be easier when you're going against me because I'm going to make sure that I'm going to push you to the – to the max level that I can push you. So that way, when it does, when it is time for us to play a game and, and, a, and a championship game, championship type game, you're like, oh, this is this is way easier than practice. So my first year, that's how my mind was. Like, I'm guarding point guards. I'm guarding centers, forward. Like, it didn't matter. Like, I was like, oh, I don't care. Just let help, let me get these guys better. And I feel like, you know, and Coach has said this in, in, in many interviews, like there were times in that during that year where he felt like I helped them win games because of my presence on the bench and how I practiced against those guys. And I think that was the year he was like, Hey man, if Pat wants to be a coach, he can be a coach. And that's, you know, I think that's how, you know, you know, 15 years later, he calls me up and he's like, I want you to be on my bench. Um, so then, you know, that, that next year, uh, when we went to the final four, it was just crazy. Like we started the year off, not hot. Like we, we were a preseason top 25 team, but we lost, I think three of our first seven games or something like that. And we were kind of like unsure about ourselves, but then like something just happened to click with our team. And when we started conference play, we didn't lose the month of February. And then we lost like, I don't know, one game in January. And then obviously like two, uh, one or two games in March. And it was just, but it was just like incredible. Like, and it didn't feel like we were just, it did like, you know, you look at something and you're like, all right, this team, they just go on a win streak and it's just something crazy. Like, but every day it didn't feel like that. Like it just felt like, all right, we're going to this game. And then all of a sudden we look back at the end of the year, like, yo, you know, y'all know we didn't lose a game the whole month. Mm-hmm. Like, did y'all realize we, we just beat the number two, three team in the country? Like, but no, we didn't look at it. Like we were just sitting there like, all right, we're going our daily vitamin really. Like we went to practice, did our hard practice, went to the game and everything was the same. And I think that's why our guys were so good. And um, then I remember, like, my senior year, like, when you brought up me winning the sixth man, like, I knew Jeff had left, and I knew there was a void there. Um, but, you know, as a basketball player, like, I went into my senior year, like, all right, I'm a senior, I got to start, I got to average 10 points a game, six rebounds. Like I, like, I knew what I wanted to do so I could get drafted. I wanted to give myself the best opportunity to, to put myself in a position, position to get drafted. Um, and about 10 games into the season, my, the head coach comes to me, and he's like, Pat, I'm thinking about I was I had been starting and I've been playing well. Like I wasn't it wasn't like I was playing bad and we were we were 10 and 0. 
uh, going into a Memphis game, or no, we were, we might have been like ten and one. We just lost to Memphis or something like that. That's Memphis with Derrick Rose, yeah. are like Chris Douglas uh, Roberts, yeah, George. Yeah, like they had a squad. Like playing, I tell people all the time, Derrick Rose and college was the fastest player I ever played against. Like I felt like I was running, play, he was running downhill, I'm running uphill, trying to catch him. Like he's yeah, just yeah, yeah, so yeah. fast, it was ridiculous. But um, <laughs> so like we lost that one game, and that was like. They were ranked number two. We were ranked number five. Like, and so like it wasn't like it was a crazy game. It was close. And then coaches like, you know, I'm thinking about starting Austin Freeman, who was a freshman at the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, who are you going to sit out? Like, because it's just, you know, I'm a senior. John Wallace is a senior. Roy Hibbert's just Roy, Roy Hibbert's a lotto pick senior. Like, he ain't not. He's definitely not going to not start. Yeah. You know, Dewan Summers is most likely going to be a first round pick. You're not going to not start him. And you know, the other guard we had was Jesse Sapp and. You know, Jesse was playing well, too. So I'm like, well, who are you going to sit out? Like, he's like, well, I'm thinking about letting you come off the bench again. I'm like, bro, hold up. What? <laughs> like, I'm I'm in, I'm in my senior year. Yeah. I'm playing well. Like, what's going on? And he's like, you know, I just feel like what you bring for us, it, it, it can be more, you know, more powerful off the bench. And I'm like, yeah, but why me? Like, I'm a senior, bro. <laughs> Like, I don't care what you're talking about. He a freshman. He got three more years after this year where he can prove himself. This is my last 20 games. Like, nah, like, I don't like that. Yeah. And I remember vividly thinking, like, I like I wanted to cry. Like, I was so upset. But, like, I went through that practice, and we played, I think, our first conference game that next day. And I don't remember playing the game. Like, I played, but, like, I don't remember it. So, I I fouled out for, like, the first time that year. Like, I just was just not in a mode where I was, like, wanted to play basketball. I was like, yo, this is whack. Like, why? I'm Patrick Ewing Jr. at Georgetown, and I'm coming off the bench as a senior. Like, it's not supposed to be how my story goes, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, then uh, Big John, Big Coach Thompson, sat and talked with me. He was like, you know, you know, one of the reasons Coach talked to you about coming off the bench because I suggested it to him. And I was like, well, why would you do that? Like, I'm playing well. He's like, because the stuff that you bring – the type of person you are, you can handle coming off the bench. You can do certain things off the bench. Like you'll you'll calm that you won't be coming in the you won't be in the game antsy to start. Like you'll sit down, you'll have a chance to calm down. You can watch what's going on for the first three, four, five minutes and come in the game and then make your impact. And you're coming in and playing against uh, you know, now you're not playing against the one, two, three, four, five guys. You're playing against three, four, five, six guys and stuff like that. Like, and I was like, all right, well, like I still feel like I'm a starter. And he's like, well, you – and then, then he said to me, too, he's like, would you rather start the game and play five minutes or come off the bench and play 35 minutes? And I was like, yo, you're right, because I don't want to play. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, you, if I if, – if start to me – and then after that, you know, starting to me was always just you get to hear your name called and the crowd gets to chant your name. or So you can either have the announcer say your name or you can have the crowd chant your name for 30 minutes. And I wanted to be the guy that had this, the crowd chanting my name for 30 minutes. So – I really started to buy into that role of the six man. Like, I was just like, yo, I'm just going to be the best dude coming off the bench in the whole country. And every time I win the game, I just made something happen. And it was crazy because at the time, uh, George, the Big East didn't have a six man of the year award. Like, it was not an award that we had at the conference. And we ended up winning the regular season. And to me, it was hands down or we won a regular season. So coach Thompson should be coach of the year and Roy Hibbert, who was our best player should be player of the year. All right. So we get to the, um, the end of the year and I'm we're sitting in practice and coach walks up to me. He's like, Pat, 
you know, after this practice, you need to hurry up, go to the, go to the hotel and go put your suit on because you just won an award. And I'm like, award? What, I won, like, sportsmanship award? Like, I don't want that. Like, I'm not a good sport. I mean, I'm a good sport. Like, I'm fair. Like, I don't do it that crazy. But, like, I don't, I don't want that sportsmanship award, man. Like, yeah. like, nah. Like, you played so good off the bench this year that they created the Six Men of the Year Award and they're giving it to you. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, word? And I was like, all right, cool. I rock with that. But then I was, I was mad because we won the championship and then the only person on the team that got an award outside of like first team all conference was me. I was like, how does coach Thompson not get coach of the year? He's back-to-back biggest champion. How did Roy Hibbert not get player of the year when we just won the championship? Like they gave it to like Luke Herringody and like whoever of Notre Dame was at the time. I'm like, they didn't even beat us. Like how y'all giving them yeah. all this respect? And they, I think we played them in the tournament day year and smacked them because we was, I was like, yo, like, I'm, you know, I was like our team leader. And I'm like, yo, whoever, anytime we get disrespected like that, we go out there and we're going to smack whoever's out there. Like, we're going yeah. we to run it up. Don't. So, like, I just remember being very mad. Like, I was the only one on our team that got an award uh, after we <laughs> ran through the conference like that. And this was a Big East, too. Like, this is not like, I'm not talking about, like, the, you know, the WCC. Like, this is Big East with Georgetown, Louisville, Notre Dame. Connecticut, Syracuse, St. John's, Seton mm-hmm. Hall. Like, we, we were like, we, we sent in nine teams to the tournament and we won it back to back. And you yeah. still don't get, you know, the coach and the best player on the team, player of the year and coach of the year. No, nah, we wasn't going for that. <laughs> uh, it's Georgetown, man. They disrespect yeah. Georgetown for sure all the time. Exactly. Just, the, just the cultural exactly. impact that school has. Like, you, you brought up uh, John Thompson, senior man. Rest in peace to that guy. Like, you got to be around him. That's, that's amazing to think about, to, that you got to have moments with him and, to, to hear you say that he came to you and said, I told, you know, your coach to make this decision to make you the sixth man that I don't know how it would have felt if I were in your was in your position sitting there and have him come to me and say, I, I said, that should be it to me. I'd be like, all right, this is this is destiny. And I'm, I'm running into this and going for this award. And uh, you created the award basically from that moment. Yeah. So that's, and, that's and, I was, and I was very fortunate where, with, with Big John because Big John is like my grandfather. You know? Of course. He's, yeah, of course. He'll be a father figure to me. And. And I don't want to get it misconstrued because a lot of the things that Big John told Little John to do as far as basketball went, like he didn't listen to him. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Little John definitely ran that show over there. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. The same thing with my dad, like when Big John was still alive, like Big John will say his piece, but like at the end of the day, they was they making all the decisions, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, for me, it was I was also very fortunate because he was one of the main reasons why I became a coach again. Like when I, we were talking, like when I was saying about how teaching players in different, in different ways, like a teacher does in the classroom, like he was one of the ones who was like, Pat, I really think you could be good at this coaching thing, but you can't talk to these players. Like you're a player anymore. Cause you're not a player. Yeah. You get, you gotta be able to reach these kids in different ways. And he was one of the main reasons. And, you know, obviously one of my biggest, biggest mentors, as far as this coaching stuff goes, and he's, he was been amazing in my life. And, you know, if anyone hasn't read his book, like, it's a great book, great read, and, and and so many stories in there, and he really tells his facts and his truths in there, and it's just it's amazing. And he was such an amazing person, the biggest yeah, role man. model. I- Absolutely, uh, Pat. You got drafted um, after you graduated, obviously from uh, Georgetown. Just take us quickly through how draft night and that process was uh, for you leading up to the 2008 draft and and being selected by the Kings. Yeah. Uh, well, honestly, it, it was rough. It was rough because, like I said, you know, I'm the sixth man of the year in the conference, uh, you know, in, in one of the deepest conferences in the country. But 
like my name, I you know, this is the start of like not the start of, but like draft boards on the internet were just becoming a thing. Like NBA draft.net was like they were in their pretty much infancy still and stuff like that. Like ESPN wasn't even doing like mock drafts and stuff like that back then, I don't think. But on the wherever there was a mock draft, my name wasn't on there. Um, you know, it was nowhere to be seen. So uh, I had to go through Portsmouth Invitational first. And I remember being in Portsmouth and I was like, all right, Patrick, this is like the finally the time where you don't have to play by, you know, team rules. Like you definitely want to win out here. But at the end of the day, like if you get a rebound, you bring it up and you go make a play. Like anything that needs to be done, you can make it happen. Like, and it was, it was just like, I felt like I was kind of like free a little bit. Like not that I feel like my, offense or defense at Georgetown or Indiana held me back, even though in, in some ways uh, systems hold people back, you know, all the time. But, you know, I felt like they helped me grow to become the player I was. So, but I went to Portsmouth and I was like, all right, now it's time for me to show who I am. And I went to Portsmouth and like my first game, I almost had a triple double. Second game, I was on my way to like another triple double. And I ended up like spraining my ankle. And I remember calling my agent and I was like, uh david uh named david Falk. i was like david you know my my ankles hurts but like i can play if i need to he was like no all the gms are very interested in you now like you're gonna get invited to the orlando camp which was the the big pre-draft camp what they do in chicago now mm-hmm. and i was like so he was like you know you can take the rest of the time off let your ankle heal and get ready so you're going to go to, you're going to go to Orlando and then you're going to have like, you know, 15 workouts. So like, I don't want you to hurt yourself out here. So I was like, cool. Like I played well enough in two and a half, you know, a game and a half, two and a half games to get invited. Like, great, let's do this. Um, so then, you know, it was just a grind. I worked out, worked out, worked out, went to Orlando, kind of had a similar showing where people were like, all right, like maybe this dude is a player. Like he's better than we thought he was. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, I go through a bunch of workouts uh, and I was very fortunate, very, very fortunate when I went to my Sacramento workout because it was me, Roy Hibbert, and we uh, did the workout together. And it was Roy's second workout with them. And they had also had Jason Thompson, who they ended up drafting in that workout and somebody else. And I don't remember who it was, but in that workout, we ended up playing a full court two on two. And the thing that they did was they put me and Roy on the same team. And, you know, me and Roy already had a chemistry. So I was like, oh, y'all done messed up big time. (laughs) Drag these two. That's what we did. Like, during that workout, me and Roy was just killing. And I knew walking out of that workout that that was probably my best workout. But I also knew that they was definitely going to draft Roy. Like, there was no way that Roy was going to get to them and they not pick him at that point. Like, Roy just killed that workout. So draft night, um, me and Roy had the same agent. So we had wanted to go to uh, to New York for the draft. And I think my agent, because Roy wasn't invited to the green room, I don't think they really wanted to go. And then, like, obviously with the uncertainty of where I could get drafted, if I was going to get drafted at all, like, he didn't want me to just be sitting in the garden and then, you know, not have my name called and then I'm, you know, upset. So we actually ended up going to Big John's house and oh, watching nice. the draft. So, um, so yeah, so we, you know, drafts happening, you know, uh, Sacramento has the, their first pick was like the 12th pick in the draft. And I'm like, yo, Roy, you about to pick, bro. And then they, they drafted Jason. And I was like, wait, what? 
Like, how do y'all let this? I just watched Roy destroy Jason in this workout. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe y'all see something I don't see. But, you yeah. know, and I love Jason. Jason's a great player, but he wasn't Roy. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, we're sitting there, and I knew, you know, the end of the first round comes, and I, I thought I had a chance to get picked. I worked out for every team that was 20, between 25 and 30. And I was like, all right, I got a chance to go in the first round. Though These are my spots. Uh, you know, so you go through the first round and, and you know, you when you get through the first round, you want to get drafted. If you, when you get drafted, you really want to go in the first round because that's where guaranteed money is. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get two years guaranteed and it's all about, I think the lowest one at that time was like your first year, like a million or something like that. So like you want to go in the first round. Uh, and if you don't go in the first round, you know, maybe early second, they probably guarantee you. And then when you get to the mid late, you know, you, you're starting to, work with stuff so I was like well if I don't go in the first round I kind of don't want to get drafted because you know I kind of want to pick and choose where I go to because I can kind of guarantee my spot but at the same time like I definitely want to hear Adam Silver call my name because Adam Silver was the deputy commissioner at the time so like I definitely want to hear him call my name so I can say like for the rest of my life you can't say I whatever like I was drafted bro I got the jersey right (laughs) so um so you know as we're going through you know we're, we're midway through the through the uh through the second round I think around pick 41 or 40, they go to a commercial break. And so I remember like uh, Sacramento had back-to-back picks. And so, uh, you know, it's on the bottom line. They always show the draft picks that they don't announce, like that you don't get to watch. So it said Sacramento picks, um, what's my man name? Point guard plays Virginia. I always forget his name right now. Gosh, I can't remember his name right yeah, now, but uh, they, they pick him and you, you see it on the bottom line, right? And I'm like, all right, you know, my, my boy just got picked. Like, all right, that's dope. Sacramento, they, so they, they're not going to draft him. But then, like, as that happens, my dad calls me. So at the house with John, it was our agent, our agents. Uh, it was Roy, his family, his girlfriend, and it was just me by myself. Like, my dad was working for the Magic at the time, so he had to be in their war room. And then my mom was at home. So, like, I, I, you know, I didn't have any, like, close friends or family other than Roy and his family that was with me at the time. So my dad calls me and he's like, congratulations. I'm like, for what? He's like, you just got drafted. I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, he's like, yeah, Sacramento just picked you. I'm like, no, they didn't. They just picked Sean. His name was Sean. Sean Singletary. They just picked Sean. He's like, yeah, they picked him with the one before you. And so, like, as he says that, Adam Silver walks on the stage and is like, you know, with the 43rd pick, the Sacramento Kings slept Patrick Ewing Jr. And I just lost it, man. Like, I was just <laughs> like, yo. Because, like, and, it, and, 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 and a lot of people know, like, it's hard to understand because it's like you work so hard for something your whole life. And, like, of course, everyone wants to get drafted first. And, you know, you want to be picked in the first round. But then, like, at the end of the day, like, to know that you're one of 60 people that night who will hear their name called after working for something for so long it's like a weight gets lifted off your chest like just to finally know that you know everything that I had tried to work for to live my life the right way was finally coming to a place where I was like all right now I made it but at the same time I was just like all right like I'm here now I gotta like try to prove it like they they call my name but now I gotta try to stick like how do I make it so that I'm uh a long-term professional. So, you know, I went, you know, I didn't stop right away. Like I, you know, I went to Sacramento the next day. Um, we had a press conference and then after the press conference, I flew right home and 
you know, I was back in the gym working because I really wanted to prove to people that, you know, that I wasn't just Patrick Ewing's son, like I could actually play basketball. Yeah. Uh, that, that's uh, what an interesting, you know, and crazy draft night and experience for you because every single player obviously is a different, um, not different route they take, but just to get to the draft. And like you said, you know, so everyone wants to be a first rounder and some guys that, you know, some guys you even have them drafted in the first round, they turn into bust. And then like this year, for example, Jokic guy in his draft year was a second round pick and he's this league's MVP and one of the best players um, in the NBA. So it really doesn't matter where you go. It's about the process afterwards and the work, as you mentioned, uh, to stick not only in the NBA, which is the toughest league and the biggest league, you know, that everyone follows, but then even to have a good professional career overseas, which I think people look down upon, but you mentioned earlier the, the story about Mike James and how he became, and Sergio Lul, who I think the Houston Rockets still own his rights. I don't know if they've traded them yet, but every year they try to get him over. And, you know, some guys are just comfortable over there and you go there and you're like, wow, this guy could really be playing in the league, but just chooses, you know, comfort or family or whatever. It's a different life, you know, here um in North America you then go on to play preseason uh basketball with the Knicks and there was a game where they were down uh, and you guys ended up winning at the garden you get subbed in and you were you mentioned about the crowd you know at Georgetown and calling your name you know coming off the bench and playing the 30 minutes and not the announcer introducing you you get a standing ovation uh when you get subbed in I don't know if you remember the game if you do how how, how did that feel it was great and I definitely remember because I had been upset because uh, throughout the whole preseason, you know, in, in preseason you play like, I don't know, maybe 10 games-ish. And the only games I had played in at that point were all away games. And and I obviously I played sparingly, which I didn't expect to play a lot because, you know, I was a rookie and, you know, I, you know, I, I just didn't see myself. Uh, I felt like I was one of the top, you know, 10 guys in our roster based on, the type of play style that coach wanted to play. But I also knew that I had the least amount guaranteed on my contract and, and you know, they, they weren't going to get rid of some of the guys that I thought I was going to, I would have had a chance to play over. Uh, so, but this is the last preseason game of the of preseason and uh, we're playing New Jersey and you know, Vince, I remember Vince, I always loved this story because Vince it, at the time was like one of my favorite players. Like, Vince is like my big brother because he's just always been a great guy to me. And um, so we're playing New Jersey and they're up like 20 on us. And for some reason, coach is like, all right, Pat, go check in. So there's like seven minutes, eight minutes left in the game. We're down 20. I check in the game. I was like, all right, like, this is what you do. You come off the bench and you make stuff happen. And literally come in the game, you know, I think I got a dunk. Then turn around, I get a steal. Then I throw it behind the back, behind the back pass to, uh, to Nate Robinson, who, who missed the layup. He missed the uh, layup. I, mean, I never forgive him. And I tell him that all the time, I never forgive him because that was like my highlight. Like I was, that was like another sports center moment for me. That was a top 10. I threw a behind the back pass on a fast break. I did a steal. Uh, <laughs> but then, uh, but then I got a block and after the block, I hit a three right away. And then, then a couple of possessions later, I get a dunk. And that's like, so we took, uh, well, we were down 20 and then we cut it to one uh, with, with the, with the ball. And I was, I just remember sitting there thinking like coach called the time. I was like, coach, you just give me the ball. I'm going to score. Like, and of course, like I'm a rookie. I'm not saying this out loud, but I know in my head, like if I get the ball right now, I'm going to get the bucket. 
But I also had Jamal Crawford on my team too, though. So uh. I knew I was <laughs> Jamal was in the game. So I knew I wasn't gonna get the ball because Jamal's in it. So <laughs> coach draws up the play for Jamal. You know, we get a good shot, but he misses the shot. And but like, like you said, like you know, the crowd was chanting my name. And it's like it was very surreal for me because growing up in the garden, growing up having, you know, I'm at every game in the garden. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know, they say my dad's name, and now all of a sudden, like. You know, I've had them chant my names in, in arenas before, but like it's the garden, though. You're like, you know, what I'm yeah. like yeah, yeah. garden. Like even when you say it, it's like, oh, it's the garden. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, uh, so we go through that, and I was like, I remember thinking that night, like, yo, there's no way they can cut me after this. Like, I played well in practice. I you know, came out in the garden, had a great game, and like, I really feel like I'm starting to come into my own, like in this league, like I can. If, if there was ever a moment where I felt like I could play in the league and it's like that moment. And then we had some moments when we played Boston and I was like, yeah, I could, I could do this. Like I'm a gamer. Like I can, I can handle this. Uh, but then the next day we in practice and after practice over, you know, they're like, Hey Pat, you know, it's a numbers game and your, your contract is, 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 is the one we're going to have to get rid of because you don't make the most money. So, you know, I was hurt. I was definitely hurt by it, but like, at the end of the day, like I always had that memory, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. even and now, like I can I can pull up those clips for my kids, and they can watch those clips and be like, "Yo, my dad like got busy in the garden, like he dunked on Brook Lopez, like he's blocking shots." <laughs> dunked on Brook Lopez, man. That's <laughs> easy to even be able to see. But hey, yo, so what's crazy too? So what's crazy? Like, so I had that dunk when I dunked on Brook Lopez, and I remember being so mad at Brook though, because. So you know, Brooke, I think Brook might have been Brook might have been me in the same in the same draft with me. So like, you know, he's a rookie. He's trying to prove himself. Like, but he's a first round pick, dude. Like, why are you over here? Like, it was a, we had gotten a steal or a block or something, and I had ran transition. And I remember, like, I'm running transition. I'm like, yo, if they throw me this ball right now, I'm about to windmill this joint. Like, it's going to be like I'm <laughs> definitely making Sports Center off of this, right? So as we're running up the court, I can see Brook trucking hard like i'm like dude what are you doing like why are you why why preseason so like, what are you doing yeah, it's preseason game bro you're about to play 82 games bro you're not you're not not gonna make this team like you're good like, yeah, you don't exactly. have great cuts just right here. <laughs> yeah. so so i'm get i they throw me the ball i take one dribble and i'm like yo brooks really about to try to block this so i remember being like well i could take one more dribble and i could try to windmill on him or i could just take one dribble and just take off from as far as i can and that's what I chose to do because I was like, if I try to windmill on Brooke Lopez and miss, I'll never play basketball ever anywhere again. Like, this is not going to happen. Like, like if I was a first-round pick, yeah, maybe I'd have tried it. But, like, yeah, yeah. being I am, like, I was like, nah, let me just go with the safe bet. Plus, I played at Georgetown. The coach was always like, you know, if you do something stupid, don't be mad if you don't ever play again. So, like, <laughs> So that was like in my head. So when I mind you, this is all going through my head in like 0. 0.3 seconds. Like, this is all what's yeah, happening. Exactly. <laughs> And I just took off, and I just remember being like, bro, I just took off from what is from like a foot inside the free throw line, but from the side of the basket. He was like, why are you still trying to block this? Like, and he really jumped and tried to block it. And I just put it on his head, like, bang. And I just remember, like, at the time, like, we, uh, with our roster, we had like a little joke where we would like we would do we would go like this whenever we dunked on somebody. So I remember <laughs> running to the bench and looking at uh, Quentin Richardson and and um, and. Um, and Nate and them guys and being like, yo, I don't know why he jumped, but I got him. <laughs> I got him. He's dummy. So, but no, nah, shout out to Brooke, man. I'm glad that Brooke man got him. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's my guy.
Yeah. So, yeah, he did just get a free championship, man. That's I that was probably the Stanford in him making him run run to you. Though. Yeah, was I was like, man, look, I'm, I'm I really was trying to get freaky with that dunk. Like, I, I wish you windmilled on him, man. That was yeah. a highlight that gets played on an all time top twenty play. Yeah. I, I thought of, <laughs> I thought about it too. It was crazy. So it's like me and my uh, I don't know if y'all know who Brett Petway is, but Brett Petway played at Michigan. He played up for Olympiacos uh, for a couple of years back in like 2015, 2014. But me and him played AAU together. So like during AAU practice, that's what we did. Like we would be like, yo, we're gonna try to dunk on each other. We're gonna try and windmill. So like we would windmill on each other in practice. So like it wasn't like it was an unheard of thought for me and him to try to do that in like right. a real game. But like I was like. <laughs> I'm not gonna make this roster for sure if I miss this dunk. So I <laughs> maybe try to make, let me just try safe bet. Yeah, safe bet. You got both John Thompsons on each shoulder telling you you yeah. better not. No, we'll, <laughs> like, yeah, like you know when he had the good angel and bad, they both were like, nah. Both <laughs> were like, don't don't you dare, don't you dare windmill this right now. Oh, man. I'm gonna have to get that highlight somewhere and man, post it with this with this little interview here. That's that's amazing to hear. Yeah, well, definitely, Fuad. Uh, We'll post it on our Instagram for everyone listening. So he'll, uh, you can go to the Instagram to see that clip for sure. Uh, Pat, you then, um, you get to the NBA, you played in the G League a bit. We talked about your European career, uh, but you did sign, uh, I think it was a 10 day with, with New Orleans at the time. How was it to get like, you know, preseason is one thing, but now, you know, you get there, you're in a regular season game uh, for New Orleans at the time. That must've been like, wow, like everything I've been working for my whole life, seeing my dad in the league, and now I'm, you know, I'm checking into, a, you know, an NBA regular season game. That must have been like the, t- I mean, to me, if I was ever in those shoes, that would have been like the top of the top. Like, I, you know, I made it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that experience was, is, is different for me. Um, so the, the, the whole first, the whole first year, my rookie year, uh, I spent in the G League and then I got hurt right when I was about to get called up again. Uh, and I actually ended up missing a year and a half because of that injury came back played with the Knicks again in preseason uh got cut again went to the G League again got traded while I was in the G League and then like I just decided like yo I'm about to just start putting up crazy numbers so like in the G those G League games like I was putting up like 38 and 19 you went off like like, it it was like it was crazy like and I because I had always felt like if my teams won then I didn't care what I averaged but like uh, they traded me to the worst team in the league. So I was like, well, if I'm going to be, if I'm be losing anyway, like I'm going to just start trying to go ham. Yeah. And so that's what I did. So then I, so it was the end of the year. I had literally just, uh, I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And the week before that I had just sent my truck home and I sent all my clothes home. So I had literally, we were, we had like a week left in the season. So I was like, I had enough clothes to last me for the rest of the season. And I was upset because I was like, man, I want to do this whole year. I'm putting up all these numbers. I won. I did this. Like, why am I not getting caught up? Maybe I'm just not an NBA player. Like, all right, it is what it is. Like, I'm coming to grips with reality. Like, all right, cool. Like, I'm going to just get ready for try to make a push to whatever I'm going to do next year. So uh, my motivation that, that G League year after I got traded was my G League coach traded me. He didn't tell me about it uh, until it happened, which was odd because he literally told me about every transaction we were making before that. And so... I felt disrespected and I was like, when we play them, which I had the date circled on my calendar, we played them twice at the end of the year. And I'm like, in these two games, I'm scoring 50 twice. Like that is what is going to happen. Like win, lose or draw, I'm going to embarrass y'all. And uh, 
So I remember that it was that morning that we were about to play that. And I remember I got to shoot around and I'm just like hyper-focused. Like there's something about like when you get in a zone and, you know, if you've ever been in a zone in any sport, any work that you do, like there's nothing that's going to deter you from what you're about to do, right? So I remember going through shoot around and I think I missed like one shot and shoot around. Like I was just ready to go. So um, I remember I went home after shoot around and I'm waiting for my brother and my girlfriend to get ready so we can go to the game because they happen to be there at the time. And my agent calls me. Now, for some reason, even though my name is Patrick, he would butt dial me randomly, right? Like, so I'll be like, all right. So I like, I look at my phone, his number's calling me. And I'm like, I'm not going to answer this. Like he just butt dialed me. Like uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to stay in my zone. Like I'm, I'm about to go for a hundred and two games right now. Like, <laughs> I'm not answering. Yeah. And then something in my head said, Patrick just answered the phone. So I answered it, expecting it to be a butt dial. And he's like, Patrick, what are you doing? And I was like, um, getting ready to go drop 50. What you, like, what do you want right now? He's like, he's like, well, are you at home? Don't leave yet. I think I got something coming. And I was like, all right, I don't know what that means, but okay. So, you know, I hang up. I tell my brother and my girlfriend, I'm like, yo, who's not my wife? I was like, yo, David just called me and said, like, something might be popping. Like, I can't, like, this is crazy. Like, I might be getting called up. And I was like, to who, to where? Like, you know, you know, a thousand thoughts going through your mind. So then he called me back with, with Dell Demps and they're like, you know, you know, um, uh, one of our players got hurt in the game last night. We need to bring up somebody and we like the way you've been playing. So we, we want to bring you up. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, but we have this game tonight. And <laughs> is there any way that I could not come tonight and come tomorrow after the game? And he was like, they start laughing, but like, I was so serious. And I was like, oh, I want to play in this game. Like, I really, really, really want to score 50 right now. And nah, bro. Like we actually got you a ticket booked to your flight leaves in an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. We're going we're gonna to meet you in LA. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, so, so it was, it was crazy, right? So so I, get, I remember I get on this flight, right? And I just went through like a whirlwind of emotions because I'm like, all right, like I'm, and one part of me, I'm like mad because I want to play in this game, but like I get called up. And I remember I got like sick on the flight because I was just like, not, not like real sick, but like throwing up sick, but like I was just like, yo, I don't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. But I get to LA and I'm like, oh snap, like I don't have no clothes. Like literally <laughs> all, I, all, I, all I had was the, the, the one week's worth of sweats that I had because <laughs> I said I'm clothes home. So I've been uh, so I, I remember I go to the gym. I'm like, yo, sir, I'm like I don't have like clothes. And at the time, it's like you know you got to wear like if you're not dressing or if you're if you walk something you had to wear a certain we had a dress code. Yeah. So I was like, I don't have no clothes. And he's like, well, the good thing for you is that you're in LA now, so like, you can go get clothes anywhere. So I remember I had to go buy a bunch of clothes and stuff like that, and it was just like nuts. But like my first game was, or my first game on the roster was in Staples Center against the Lakers and I just remember sitting there and being like you know I got my work done before the game but then I'm like yo this Kobe house like I'm looking at Kobe go to work 
go to work and I'm just like, wow, like I'm here. Like, and I've been, I don't think I had, I think we might've had like one practice. So I, I knew I wasn't going to play, but I'm like just watching it and going, and I'm like, this is so dope. Like I'm finally here. I'm, I'm dressed for a regular season game. Like I said, it's not fake. Um, so then, uh, but the thing that sucked for me was that we were a playoff team. So like a lot of the times at that time when people get called up, you know, they go into p- teams that aren't in the playoffs or teams that they are, they might be going to the playoffs, but they're not jockeying for positions. So they can, they're going to play the guys who they want to look at in the regular games. I didn't have that experience. Like we were trying to move up in the standings, try to get home court advantage. So like, you know, they're still playing all their main guys, 30 something minutes a game. So I didn't get a chance to play a ton, but when I get in, when I got in, I, you know, I tried to make things happen again because that was the role I was used to. But uh, I remember the first time he said we were playing Portland, I believe. And he's like, and I wasn't expecting him to say, Pat, go check in. And, and it was like the first half too. So he's like, Pat, go check in. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I was just shocked. Like, I was like, okay, cool, let's go. And went in the game. And, you know, I think I got a rebound or something like that. But I was, like, you know, it took me right back out after a couple of minutes. And I was like, yo, they can finally, no one can ever say anything. Like, I played in the games. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, then I score, then I score a point. Like, yo, you can't say anything. Like, I might not have scored a lot of points, but I scored more points than 99.9% of people exactly. who walked on the earth. Before, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, I've, I've done, I've done something that most people can never say they've, they've done before. And I did it, you know, in a way that was great. And so I, I, I had a great, you know, outside of like wishing I would have been able to play more or anything like that. Like I was, I was very fortunate because I went, like you said, I was, I was with the Hornets and Chris Paul was, you know, right. a good friend of mine in high school. So like to be there with him and Trevor Ariza and I, you know, made friends with Carl Andrews, who was someone I hated in college. I, honestly, one of my best friends today uh, is, is uh, <clears throat> Aaron, uh, Aaron that played at, um, at Pittsburgh. Y'all know who I'm talking about, big Aaron. Aaron, uh, uh, what was his, uh, what was his uh, last name? Aaron, uh, a Pittsburgher, I, it's ringing a bell. I just can't think. I'm trying of to see if y'all can remember. I'm trying to see if y'all can remember. Hey, man. <laughs> no, for some reason, I thought of Spencer Hawes, but the, he, he didn't play at Pittsburgh, did he? No, he played at Washington. No, Spencer played at Washington. Yeah. I'm trying to think about Aaron. No, nah, it's not coming to me now. I got put on the spot and I failed. Aaron, Aaron Gray. Aaron Gray. Aaron see, I was thinking. Aaron you, see, you see why he played he for the Raptors? Did he? Play yeah, for the he did. Yeah, you see, for That's why, now I'm trying to see if y'all can remember. But yeah. you, you saw why I thought Spencer Haas, though. Aaron Gray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. So Aaron Gray is someone who I absolutely hated in college. Like yeah. hated him in college because he played at Pittsburgh. They were we were number one. They were number two. He's the the, the their best player. So I just didn't like him. Didn't know him. Didn't know him at all. But hated him. <laughs> get to New Orleans and he became my best friend uh, like to this yeah. day that's my guy uh, that's talk amazing, and um, and so like the experience of that stuff and just going through that I was like you know it's like finally I made it to where I wanted to be at and like, again like I've done something that you can't take it away from me like mm-hmm. you know even to this day like my kids favorite team is the Hornets because I played for the Hornets like wow. for no other reason like but they like the Hornets because Daddy played for the Hornets and Pop Pop coached for the Hornets and they loved the Knicks because Pop Pop and Daddy played for the the Knicks and they liked Orlando Magic because Pop Pop coached the Magic. Like, it's, <laughs> like there's so much stuff like where it's that's like, amazing. It brings good memories and stuff. Like yeah, that. it's it's pretty dope. That's I thing, have man. to ask you, uh, Pat, who was that coach that traded you? 
in the G League? Like that? Oh, with... oh man. Uh, it was uh, Eric Musselman. Eric Musselman. Oh. Who to this day, I love I love Eric Musselman. Like, yeah. And I, I never have anything bad to say about him. Like, other than the fact that I got traded and he did not let me know. Like, I didn't even yeah. care that I got traded. Like, it wasn't even the fact that I got traded, you know. He traded me for uh, Danny Green. Like, all right, like, I get it. Like, and me and me and Danny were both kind of in the same situation at the time. We're like, but Danny's the more of a three and D guy. I was more of a four, three, two, one type of guy. Like, I didn't know yeah. what I was. Like, I was Making a position happen, player. Kind of guy, Danny yeah. was, you know, Danny is Danny. I mean, yeah. I mean, I ain't, I definitely can't be mad at him today for making the trade. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Danny, Danny is Danny Green. So, um, no, nah, I was, I was just upset that he didn't, that the way I found it, because like, the way I found out about it was, I was, we were in the hotel, we were in Austin, Texas, and I was, he calls me and said, or one of the coaches calls me and says, hey, Pat, will you come down to the coach's room? Now, mind you, I had just, I had been on a tear early in the season. This trade happened right after Christmas, so it was like January time. And um, so I was like, I had, uh, before that, like I told you all earlier, I had went a year and a half where I was hurt. And then I came back and I was doing four workouts a day trying to get in shape to make sure that I was ready for the season because I'm, you know, I want to make sure that I'm good. So right around December, my legs kind of got were shot. And so I wasn't having a good month uh, or a good two, three weeks at the time where I was just playing not great basketball at all. And uh, so, you know, coach called me, come to my room real quick. I want to talk to you. So I walk out the hallway and Danny's there. And I was like, oh, what's up, DG? What's going on, baby? How you doing? And, you know, we, me and Danny having a conversation. I'm like, yo, you, so you decided, I think he had just got cut from the Cavaliers at the time or something like that. And I was like, yo, so, like, are you here? Like, you in the G League? He's like, yeah. And like I said before, like, Coach had talked to me about every transaction. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I know he's not on our team because Coach hadn't said anything to me about signing Danny wow. Green. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, so so you playing with Austin because we're about to play the Austin Spurs. And he's like, he looks at me like weird, and he's like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Like, all right, whatever, bro. <laughs> like, maybe maybe somebody's playing Austin after we play Austin. Like, I don't know. It's the G League, you know. You're playing every other day anyway. So, like, maybe he was there for the next team. So, I walked to the room, and I'm sitting there, and the head coach, uh, muscle man and the assistant coach, Clay Mojo, who's with him at Arkansas right now, too, they're sitting in there, and they're like, you know, you know, we just traded you to Sioux Falls. And I wasn't, like, and I, and I remember just being there sitting, and I'm like, wait, what? And, like, not being upset that I got traded. Like like I said earlier, like, I don't care. I know, like, I had been cut twice by this time. Like, I understand the basketball at this level is a business. I don't care about being traded. It's the fact that, one, you didn't tell me beforehand, before you even thought about pulling the trigger. And then, two, you uh, you traded me to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, dude. Like, come on. Like, all these daggone teams in the G League, like Frisco, Austin, like, you know, even like New Mexico, somewhere like you traded me. Not only did you trade me to Sioux Falls, they're also the worst team in the <laughs> league at the time. So I'm like, y'all know me. Y'all know all I want to do is win. Like it's not even about yeah. stats for me. I just want to win games. So you traded me, then tell me, then you trade me to the coldest city in the league and probably in the United States of America. And then like it was just like from then on, I was like on a mission. Like I had that date circle where I was like, I'm giving them a hundred points in two games. But it's crazy the way it works because they, they dodged the bullet because I'm sure you would have given them even probably more yeah. than a hundred, but you got to go to the NBA and experience that. Yeah, so yeah. definitely. Um, that's crazy. Uh, man, Pat, 
you you're here in Ottawa. Have you had a chance to explore the city? Is there anything you like about it so far outside, uh, you know, being here coaching and uh, basketball? Has, have you had a chance? I know at the beginning we were on still restrictions and lockdown, but now that things are pretty much uh, back to normal in our city. Have you had a chance to go out with your family? Uh, yeah, to definitely. Explore? We went to, um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the street, but like uh, where Beaver Tails is. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, market? George and the Byward like, Market. Yeah, yeah. yeah Byward Market. We went to Byward yeah. Market. Uh, we went to Parliament. Uh, we went to the Pink Lake. Uh, okay. Like we, we've gotten to tour a little bit. Like I haven't gotten to see as much as I wanted to see because, you know, we're practicing a lot. So, mm. but I've gotten to see a good amount of stuff. And my, my wife takes the kids everywhere. Like we've gone to Gatineau. We went to, uh, I think my kids' favorite thing that we've done since we've been here is we went to um, Park Omega. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, my wife's a little upset because like, you know, uh, the animals there, they, they, they walk up to the car because they know all the cars are feeding them. And one of the, I think it was like an alpaca or something like that, like kicked her door. And so now she's scratch <laughs> on the door. And so she's not happy with me about that. But outside of that, like it was dope. Like one of the one of the Rams jumped on her car and stuff like that. Like oh, it was wow. crazy. But like, you know, we got that, like, what we got to experience, like this is not, not something that we experienced at home. So right. for us and for our kids, like it was something great. Like, so right. we've gotten to do a bunch of stuff, but they they've gotten to do a lot more. Like my wife's a big uh walker and Nice, nice. So, like, her and the kids, I have four kids for those who don't know, but um, her and the kids, they go and they do a whole bunch of stuff around the city almost daily. They go to different parks around the city, go to yeah. splash parks and everything like that. Like, they they definitely get out and enjoy themselves. Yeah, Ottawa's That's, very, like, nature-like yeah, as well. Yeah. There's a lot of green spaces, a lot of parks yeah. um, in Gatineau and uh, Quebec's right there. So, for, like, uh, uh, things to do across, um, like, across that border as well. No, I'm glad you, you've enjoyed it. You mentioned beaver tails. Have you able to, have you been able to try one yet? Oh yes. Oh, for okay. sure. <laughs> what so do you I think went, of it? When we went there, I, I went to beaver tails and I ordered like one of everything. So like, that's what I do. Like when I'm a foodie, like I'm a big nice. foodie. I don't like, okay. I didn't get yes, to pick, not eat. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I went there and like, you know, their menu is very limited. So I was like, all right, well, we'll try one of everything. Plus I got six kids. I mean, I got six people in my family. So they only had like seven things on the menu. So we're like, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to try one of everything. We're going to sit at one of these tables and we're, we're just going to share. And we loved all of it. But I mean, like, how do you not love all of it? And then we've had like some macaroons from like a place across the street over there too. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. like we're definitely the, that family that's like, we're going to try all the food places. Oh, that's okay. amazing, man. Perfect. Okay. There's a lot of solid food food places around the city too. So yeah. oh, it's try great. It on, like try some it of the best food. The only thing I can say, and I've been very upset with myself, for this i haven't i've been in i've been here now since june 1st and i have yet to try poutine that was my no next way. question wow. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know why though like i like and I, i've had like they told me some good places to go to to yeah. try because like I, I don't want to like go to like some random like whack place and, and yeah have horrible poutine. like i want some good like i want to know where the good place is so where like, did yeah. they tell you to go uh maybe there's one place called the the poutinery maybe okay yeah that's um, pretty good yeah and they told me another one, like there was one that they told me that was like, it was like poutine, but it's like more like, not, I wouldn't say, I want to say upscale, but it's like, not like traditional poutine. It's like poutine when then you can put like some shrimp on it or like some other random stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, you get toppings on it. Yeah. But, like, but yeah, like I want, I want to try like the original, like real poutine before I start like mixing it up. Like, and yeah. I need to do it. Like, you know, time and season is running a little low. Like, I gotta yeah. Get <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to, go to like food trucks. If you're trying to get just like original poutine, the food truck poutine, that's where it's at where you get the original cheese curds, original gravy, just whatever food truck you see in the city. 
go over. And the the crazy thing is, there's one up the street from TD Place on yeah. Bank. He's yeah. been there. That yellow truck. He's been there. Like oh, that dude has that, ever, that. Go there. Go there for since sure. I can ever remember. Yeah. There's that spot. And there's also a local spot that I go here. Like like yeah. maybe five minute drive from my house. I'm pretty sure Fuad knows it. You know, Chips and Dairy. It's owned by. Right uh asian people but they throw down man like they're they're oh, yeah. chinese food is good like the general tao and all of that and the chicken fried rice and all that's good but they make a poutine same thing like french fries that gravy the saint albert cheese curds slaps Amazing, so like yeah. that's my also go-to um spot like a local joint there um here uh, not too far from my place but um if yeah man foodie, you gotta you gotta yeah. try one yeah if you're, you're a foodie, foodie and you're adv- adventurous go ahead man Again, there's so many yeah. good spots here just oh, go I'm, get no it. definitely like do it we've been very, i've been very fortunate like my favorite spot that i've been eating more so a lot the last couple of weeks really is this place called pizza nerds it's <laughs> on bank it's, it's really called like it's like a ghost kitchen inside of this place called goose something i can't even remember the name of the real place but bro Top five pizza I ever had in my life. Like, oh, like wow. I eat pizza. Like, like nice, nice. it's right. It's right on bank. The the, the building. It's on the bank. Like, if you're leaving TD Place, it's on the left. It's mm-hmm. called the the the. It's like a bar or something like that. It's called Goose something. I can't remember the real name. It's right by like a KFC or something like that. But like, okay. yeah. They like on the window it says like home of the pizza nerds, bro. Their pizza is banging. Like yeah. in Ottawa, if you haven't tried pizza nerd, like I really, me and my wife literally sit here and talk about it like daily. We're like, hey, you want pizza nerd today? You, you, do you think that they would ever bring pizza nerds to the states? Because it's really that good. Like, so if, if the people pizza from pizza nerds ever hear this, you think about franchising to the states? Please holler at me. I will, I will gladly help y'all. Man, we'll talk gladly. to them for sure, man. We, we'll go we, got, we, got, we gotta make it happen now for yeah. you, man. We gotta Absolutely. bring it out to uh to the states. But yeah, get a poutine, man. We gotta make it happen before the uh before the end of the season. So I'm I'm gonna try to work with with Marika or whoever there or with yourself. We gotta we gotta make it happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make sure I, get that. I, I, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Like, there's been so many places we've been to. Like, I know one time we went to Fridays and one of the coaches got some poutine there, and I was just like. I want poutine from Fridays. Like I want it to be yeah, somewhere from exactly. that's like authentic. Like, yeah. I, yeah. like when I think Fridays, I think of like the Jack Daniels sauce or something like that. Like I don't want like poutine. Right. I want it to be like somewhere authentic. Yeah, like Elias yeah. had mentioned, there's that little. You'll see a yellow chip truck outside a TD place. Go to that spot. The poutine there is incredible. Definitely one of the best in the city. But the yeah. guy that's there is a dickhead. He's an asshole. So <laughs> just, just just know that for sure. But while you're getting it, don't don't. But his food is bomb. His food is bomb. And he's, he literally lives there. He lives in that in that little truck. Yeah, that truck has never ever Always moved. Been it's yeah. been there for the longest time. It's literally bank in Sunnyside. It's right at that corner. It's right beside that house at Targ where they do actually pretty good movies mm-hmm. from what I hear. But it's right there, that yellow food truck. It's it's good. That should be your first. I might, check, I might check it out today after practice, though. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Y'all, y'all talking me into it. <laughs> uh, Patrick, you and Junior, man, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for stopping by and joining us in the key. Good luck the rest of the way. Um, and we know that the Blackjacks will be in the playoffs. It's just a matter about seating now if it's going to be a quarterfinal one at home. Or on the road, but obviously, you know, the goal is that championship weekend at Edmonton. Uh, yeah, man, once again, we really appreciate your time stopping by and sharing your stories with us. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, and I'll see you at practice later. Thank you. <laughs> see y'all soon, man. Thanks, Thank y'all, you, for Pat. having me on, man. Anytime Thanks, you man. want to have me on, I'm, I'm more than happy to join you. Absolutely. I appreciate Thank it, you, man. man. Appreciate it. Thank you.
All right, guys. Well, and man, what, Patrick Ewan Jr., what a great, uh, what a great guest uh, for us this week. Yeah. Uh, we covered a lot. You know, uh, obviously the Blackjacks. If you're in Ottawa, they have one more home game Wednesday, the fourth. Uh, yeah. Make sure to go out there and support the team. There's a thousand fans limit because of COVID. They only have a few tickets left. So if you're in the city, go support the team. If you love basketball, it's a good team. They are in the playoffs. Like I mentioned earlier, they're battling for seating now to see where uh, they play. Um, so man, if you're in the city, go and check that. He was a great guest. Um, and that does it for us this week. Um, we will be off next week. We'll take a break for the first time. And in a while, uh, we'll feel like Will and Dave for, (laughs) for next week and not show up. Um, and then we'll be back the following week with a lot of, you know, at that time, you know, free agent signings, maybe some more trades uh, around the league and maybe another guest. Who knows? So for Fuad Ahad, I'm Elias Zane. It's three in the key. Peace. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.